19 in verse 6. 1 Kings 19, verse 6. And if you uh, want to follow along with, uh, with uh, fill the blank, it is uh, in the back there for you. If you'd like to do that. So let's do our study tonight in 1 Kings. We are almost done with the book of 1 Kings. And uh, I'm already working on the book of 2 Kings. So let's look here at verse, we continue to look at Elijah. Well, let's look at verse, not, uh, verse 6 of 1 Kings. And it says, And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and lay him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went, uh, and went, uh, uh, and went uh, in the strength of, of, of that meat forty days and forty nights unto uh, Hoherb, Hoherb, I believe, the mountain of God. And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said unto him, What, what doest thou here, Elijah? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for that question, Lord. How many times we find ourselves in certain places, in certain state of mind, and we hear that little innocent small voice that says to us, What are you doing? What are you doing here? Lord, I just pray, Father, teach us something tonight as we look at this passage. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So tonight is, what, what are you doing here? You know, did you ever been in a place or find yourself in a place on which you, get, you got there and you're totally down, discouraged, beaten down, and in your mind is, less, what are you doing here? You ever been there? What are you doing here? And you like try to, I mean, if we're sensitive enough, we sense that's the voice of the Lord telling us, hey, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be victorious, not defeated. That's what happened here to Elijah. Remember, Elijah was in the center of God's will and tumbled down in, in no time just because of one statement. You know, let me put it this way. Is there power in words? There is power in words, isn't it? Because, I mean, we say this all the time, but we speak thousands of words every day. But our words can either build or, I mean, or destroy somebody. And we see right here one statement made by an evil woman caused this man in the center of God's will to be totally discouraged and to a point he was totally depressed. In, one of the, in this depression, he just asked God to kill him. The power of words. But in the midst of all this, God says, what are you doing here? <laughs> What are you doing here, Elijah? What is your purpose here in this cave? You ever been in a cave? Did you hear that little Anna small voice? What are you doing here? So, Elijah was a mighty man of God. We know that. He was used by the Lord in a wonderful way during his lifetime. Elijah stepped on the stage of, of history, I mean, 
far as we know from the Bible, on chapter 17. Uh, and he came out of nowhere. And as we see it, he was very bold as he went in front of a king, King Ahab. And of course, behind King Ahab was a wicked woman called Jezebel. And uh, so after that, that moment, we are allowed to watch as God took his this unknown man, unknown prophet, and form him into a great man of God or a great warrior for God. We see humility in verse in, in chapter seventeen. We see heroism in, in, in chapter eighteen. Humility on verse nine, uh, chapter nineteen, and of course we see that this. And we're in James chapter seventeen and eight. I'm sorry, in James chapter five, verse seventeen and eighteen, we see that Elijah was not a man of steel; was just a, a person just like me and you. So when you read your Bible and you read these stories, and, and, and of course they are people like me and you living in a different time in history, but they had emotions, they had feelings, they had all kinds of things just like they went to everyday life just like me and you. And the Bible says their, their stories are written for an example so we can learn from them. You know, it's like you, know, it's like you, you tell somebody younger than you, hey, don't do this, hey, don't go over there. Why? Because he already made the same mistakes. And he said, don't go there because that's what's going to happen. Why are you saying that? Because you've been there. You've done that. Well, the Bible gave us those examples so we can see it and we can learn from it. Especially right here. We see a man that, because of words, went in total depression. You know, I tell you what. We hear every day enough words to bury us, don't we? Robert, you work with a lot of people. I work with a lot of people. We saw, I mean, let's say you don't, you don't go to workplace every day, but you get out of the house, you, you get all kinds of people. You hear words. We hear enough words during the day to bury us. If we allow those words to consume us, it would bury us. We will go totally depressed. But praise the Lord, we have a great God on which give us the strength to overcome those things and just move on. But look what it says in James 5.17. It says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Here James tells us, he was a man just like me and you. So in a place he probably never thought he would be, of course, Elijah, God came to him with a message of hope and encouragement. And let me tell you this, folks. Every time the Lord comes to us, he comes to us with encouragement and hope. And mercy. Okay, you're discouraged. You open your Bible. I believe if you read long enough, you're going to get encouraged. You come to the house of God discouraged, you're going to hear a message. There's going to be something in that message that's going to stir your spirit. Right? You meet with a Christian friend. And that Christian friend is going to build your spirit up. I hope you do. He does. Or she does. But you know what? God comes with a... Even in that little, in a small, even through his creation, if we are sensitive enough to the end, little in the voice of God, we can, we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. So in verse 9, the Lord asked Elijah, What thou, uh, doest thou here, Elijah? So Elijah was in a place, he was, was in a place that he shouldn't be, be in the first place, but he went there anyway. See, there are times when we all find ourselves in the places like Elijah, don't we? We get discouraged. We get defeated, and we get down and, and out. We have, uh, we have been there. We want to throw the towel. We, we think everybody's against us. We think nobody likes us. We say nobody cares about me. 
You know, it's easy to say those things when we are discouraged, when you are beaten down. It's easy. I mean, probably all of us been there one time or another. So, have you ever been there? Of course you have. We all have. In fact, some of you may be there right now. So this passage has something to say to us during those times in, uh, in life. When you find yourself in a place like Elijah here, you can rest assured that God will come by and ask you the same question. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? You ever been there? You're beaten down, you're discouraged. You say, you, some, people, some people even get so discouraged, they say, what in the world am I living for? It's my purpose. And God comes in that mercy and compassion and says, what are you doing here? So let's look at this passage here from a few points. Number one, Elijah's, Elijah's crippled circumstances. So Elijah was in the center, like I said, of God's will. And when he was, at, uh, and when he was in the center of, God, of God's will, God used him in a tremendous way. God even put him in the front of all the prophets of Baal. Where, uh, uh, where, with, the, uh, with the Lord's help, he, over, he overcame all of them. Of course, he, he, first he went to the people. He challenged the people. He went to the prophets. The king was there. And this guy was, this guy was on fire for the Lord. God protect him. But... A few words from a woman totally discouraged him, that he ran for his life. Maybe because he knew how uh, evil she was, probably. And he probably in his mind thought that she, he, she was going to do to him the same thing that she had done to others. So the result, of course, Elijah runs away afraid for his own life, and his fear turned into deep depression. But it's interesting, I mentioned this the last time we were, we were here together, it's interesting. Elijah runs away from Jezebel and Ahab so, they wouldn't, so he wouldn't lose his life. When he gets far, far away, he asks God to kill him. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Why you, Elijah, Elijah, why are you running? If you want to die, you just should stay over there. And he asks God to... He said, <laughs> that's, what, that's what he does. So God comes and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? I had you over there serving me. Why are you running over here? What is your purpose over here? So if you can feel sorry for yourself, that's what he's doing over there. So, <laughs> so no, now, child of God, when you find yourself in such a dilemma, remember that the Lord always comes to your rescue. He came to Elijah and then he will come to you. And let me tell you, I can say this. I testify this myself. I've been discouraged many times. I know you came to rescue me. The Lord. The Lord. Now, letter A. He saw the wrong things. Well, when we see the wrong things, we get discouraged, don't we? Look what it says in verse 3. When he saw that, he arose and went for his life. He ran for his life and came to Beersheba, uh, as verse 3 of chapter 19, which belonged to Judah and left his servants there. Let me put it this way. All right. You walk out of here, you go home and you watch the news. Discouraging news, right? You walk outside and you, see, you look at the condition of our country and you say, mm -mm, this doesn't look good. 
And you listen to the politics and say, these guys are a bunch of crooks. And, and then you look, you go to your job, it's like, oh, these people don't get it. Then, then you look at the world, it's like, oh, goodness, I one of these days this whole thing is going to go down, flush down, go, we're going to all, we, 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 we see serious, serious trouble. Any what you do, when you do that, depress, 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 depress. That's what that happens. We see the wrong. <laughs> we get to see the wrong. Listen, in the midst of all the wrong, there's always something good, okay? Because God is good. Amen. All right, okay. I'm driving home last night, and I'm, when I got home, no, what day was that? Well, not yesterday. No, the day, the day before. This is what happened to me. Okay. I got to get out of my job. I was going to see my mom. Mm-hmm. Drive it to my mom, to my sister's house. Driving my sister, my sister's house, she lives in Warwick. I can get out of my house a lot faster than to go to her house because of the traffic. When I said, well, I'm going to stop and get a coffee. So, like, uh, somebody give me, give me, like, Joseph, give me <laughs> a big card for Starbucks for Father's Day. So I said, I'm going to get a coffee. So I got a Starbucks, and they said, um, um, the drive-thru was closed. I got inside. So I go inside. So I got inside, and the girl said, well, you have to order it on the, um, on the app because the uh, computers are down. Well, I tried to order on the app, and it's going through a defense store somewhere, like far away from I didn't have it at the time, so I said, forget it. So I walked away, and, and I was not frustrated, but then I drive, so I go to Dunkin' Donuts. I got a Dunkin' Donuts. forgot what happened there, but, oh, they were cleaning their machines. I'm like, really? So I went... Two stores, and I went back all the way to the airport. Got, finally got a coffee. Finally got my mother's. But you know what? If you allow those things, you can go like, Lord, why in the world I have to go from store to store just for a cup of coffee? When I, drive, when I uh, uh, came out of my driveway, I looked at the side. The Lord just, just took my eye, and I looked at the little carnations that pop out of the ground that I planted. I'm not that good of a... Uh, outside worker, but I like, it put a smile in my face. It's like, oh, look at those carnations. See, God, out of all the bad things of life, is always something good. So, listen, my point is this. Focus on the goods. Amen. Don't get stressed out because of the bad. I mean, we get expressed concern, but don't get depressed about it. You know, you follow what I'm saying? So, he saw, he saw the wrong. That was the first thing. Let it be. He sought the wrong things. So he sought the wrong things. And by, by seeing the wrong things, I desire the wrong things. So Elijah went for, went for his life, yet he requested for himself that he might die. So he sought the wrong. Why in the world would God Elijah tell God, I want to die? Listen. Lord, I want to live. You follow that? I want to live, Lord, until I'm 200. <laughs> Life is good. Enjoy it. Amen. You know, a guy is so depressed, go to the cave. Oh, oh God, I just want to die. If you want to die, why you ran all the way here? Died over there. You see, but let me tell you this. When we discouraged, when we allow the circumstances of life to, to just pack inside of our mind, that's how we get. We get discouraged. We, we, we focus on the circumstances. Then we get depressed. I mean, listen. There's all kinds of circumstances. There's pain. You know, how you deal with pain every day? It's hard. My sister is one of those. I told my sister, how you deal with pain every day? And she told me, so what do you want me to do? 
You have to deal with the pain. So, first Elijah was concerned about his own safety. Second, he was concerned about uh, him getting his own way. His primary concern was his own will and his own way. So when he allowed the problems of life, his problems, because he he heard uh, 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 Jezebel say those words, it dominated his mind, and he totally got depressed. He ran away. So our problem is that we often put, up, put, put self in front of God's will for our lives. That's what Elijah did. He ran for his life. God desire, designs that we put him first in every circumstance of life. So let us see. He said the wrong things. So first of all, what he did, he saw the wrong things. He sought the wrong things. Then, number three, he said the wrong things. Elijah said, I am not better than my fathers in verse 4. Well, who told him that he was anywhere? Did God told Elijah, you're just a bad boy? God didn't say that. God did not say that to him. God just said to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Because God wanted to make him think about what is my purpose here? Why did I run all the way here? So apparently Elijah had come to believe that he was something special. After all, hasn't God used him in a great way? Hadn't he trusted God and seen the impossible done time and time again? Yes, he had, but he was not better than anyone else. And let me tell you, let me tell you, don't matter how much God uses us, we should never be proudful of saying, look the way God is using me. No, we should always accept that with humility and say, Lord, thank you for using me. Because God, God can use anybody, anybody else. God can use anyone for his honor and glory. I mean, I, stories, after stories of, of people, that there's so many things for God. But God used them because they're willing to be used of the Lord. So let's go to our point number two right here. So our point number two is see the Lord's compassion. We see this from verse 5 to verse 8. So even though Elijah ran as fast as he could and got depressed, God never abandoned him. He didn't give up on him. God didn't say, well, whatever, you went that way, you, it's, it's your problem. Isn't it God did the same thing with Jonah? Didn't Jonah run away? God didn't say, okay, just go that way. The Lord went after him. You know the Lord goes after you and me too? I mean, remember, there are people like we were. We are. The Lord goes after us because He loves us enough to do that. And it's, we see the mercy and compassion in the love of God here. God didn't forget Him. God didn't forget His servant because of His condition. Elijah was indeed uh, was in need of a loving hand of God. You say, you say more than than the hand of a close friend or the hand of a, cl- a close loved one, many times the only one who can console us is the Lord. Folks, I don't even... Is friends important? They are. Is uh, church family important? Yes, they are. Is family important? Absolutely, yes, they are. So, is people around us, they are important to us. You know, they, they, we see them, we talk, they encourage us, we move on, all these things. But, there are many times the only thing we need is God. We only need is Him. See, what Elijah does, he segregates himself. What Elijah needed at that point was the Lord. 
I had a friend of mine one time, he got so depressed, so depressed, so depressed, he said, I just went around to an island, a desert island, and lived the rest of my days by myself there. I look at him, I said, brother, you will not be by yourself there, even if there's nobody there. And he said, oh, it'd be a desert island, there'd be nobody there. I'm like, well, God would be there. And I don't think that's what God wants for you. And he looked at me, I was like, well, I didn't even think of that. Well, God won't leave you alone. See, Elijah needed the Lord and the Lord's compassion, and the Lord went after him. He alone is the only one who understands many times the struggles of our own hearts more than anyone else. There's no child of God who, who is suffering at this moment that God is not aware of. Job was suffering, but God was there for him. Stephen was stoned to death. God was there. Paul, in his infirmity, as he asked the Lord to take away his, his disease, God was there for him. And God is there for any Christian, any child of his. God was there for Elijah as well. So letter A, we see God's gentleness. Look at verse 5. And as he laid asleep on the uh, juniper tree, behold, uh, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. So we don't see or hear any rebuke from the Lord as the servant Elijah lies on the, the tree asleep. Just a simple, gentle touch. I'm so glad for the gentleness of the Lord. You know, sometimes just a gentle touch is enough to encourage somebody. Isn't it? You discourage, you beat down your mind even though you carry a smile, your mind is saturated with things and somebody just say, hey, how are you? Just a simple touch. It's enough to, wow, this person cares. Enough to encourage us. But here, different, here, we have the gentle touch of the Lord. I'm so glad for the gentleness of the Lord and for gentle people. Sometimes it's what you need and I need, just a simple, gentle touch. With a simple, gentle touch, the Lord is telling us, it's okay. Everything is going to be okay. I will take care of you. Don't you worry, Elijah. I got provision here for you. You know, the worst thing we can do sometimes is instead of being compassionate people, being critics of others. You know, sometimes you have a, you have a got to your mind sometimes, well, somebody sits and talks to you or, or talks to you, the only thing they want is you to hear or listen to them. Ever, you, you ever notice that? And just them talking makes them feel better that somebody is listening. I feel that way with the Lord, believe me. When you pray, listen, when I pray, I, I, I know God is listening to me. It's, it consoles your heart, isn't it? That God is listening to you. Don't pray like, uh, Lord, I, I thank you for this day. I'm going to bed now. See you tomorrow, Lord. He's listening to you. He's real. Do I give you a letter B? Look, uh, actually, look at Psalm 103, verse 14. It says, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. And letter B says, uh, the second point is God's grace. Look at verse 6. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals, and, and a, 
cruise of water in his head, and he did eat and drink and lay him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him. Again, here's the touch. Then Satan just touched him, just a, den- a gentle touch, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink. And when the the strength, uh, I'm sorry, and when uh, in the strength of of that meal, a uh, meat, forty days and forty nights, uh, see see instead of judgment right here, the Lord gave him grace. Instead of you rebuke, the Lord extends his grace towards his servant Elijah, and that's what the Lord does to us. Many times the Lord comes and just brings that gentle touch to us. Number one out of that, that uh, point, that's, that let it be. It says, the grace of God's presence, we see there in verse 5. And as he lay asleep under the juniper tree, behold, then the angel touched him. So the Lord made sure that his servant was not alone. So he sends an angel to take care of his servant. Isn't that good? When God sends someone our way. Isn't that good? All right, you're feeling discouraged. You're all alone. You're beaten down. And the phone rings. And somebody talks, calls you. Don't take for granted who put your name in that person's head. God. God knew that the way you were, and God knew somebody could talk to you to encourage your spirit. Follow that? God uses... People all the time. Things, people. Listen, we all get discouraged. We all get, we all get discouraged sometimes. Some more than others, but we all get discouraged. But if God has a way to bring those things to pass. You discourage, you open your Bible, and you read a passage, you get all encouraged. You come to God's house, you hear a message, and like, that's what I needed to hear. The call of a friend. The text of a friend. You never know what it is that touches and Motivate your heart. You see, we see the, here the, the, the grace of God's presence here. Number two, we see the grace of God's provision. And he looked, look at verse 6, and he looked, and it was food. You see, the Lord provided for him. Listen, the Lord provides for us. Is God provides or not? I'm going to give you a testimony here. When we first got saved, all right? We talked about, my wife and I, we talked about, how oh, in the world are we going to tithe? We're like, pastors to talk about tithing, but back and forth. Uh, we can't do this. We can't do this. We can't do this. You tell a, we went to, it's amazing how God works on things. We went to a, 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 a fellowship in, in one of the a couple's home, a house, and they invited us, so we went there. So it was quite a bit of people. We went to in different rooms, and I don't know how, what happened in the other room, but what happened in the other room, they start talking about tithing. Well, they were going back and forth thinking about tithing. The owner of the house actually made a, the way he pre, pre, put a tithing, he put it in such a way how you should give your tithes to the Lord. I don't know how those people took it, but we in the other room, we were listening. Not because we tried to uh, 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 just try to be nosy. It's just the Lord taught, yeah, taught us a lesson through another person. Then we trust the Lord and began to tithe. 
what I'm trying to say is this, and even when my wife left the workplace and we have to go from two paychecks to one paycheck, I tell you what, all these years, we never went hungry. We never slept in the streets. We never miss a meal. We never walk barefooted. We have a home to sleep. God always provided. God always, to this very day, because people say, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. I'll put it this way, have faith in God, because God will provide. And I, my own testimony, I'm trying to boast here, believe me, on my own testimony, God always provided to this very day. God is good. God provides. God provides. And here we see God's providing for Elijah. What a picture of grace. What a picture of love demonstrated in, in this passage here. What an example for, for to, to see and understand how much God really loves you and me. God didn't leave Elijah to himself. The Lord went after his servant and took care of him. Elijah needed a little touch of love. God gave him. Elijah needed a little food to sustain him. God gave him. Elijah needed a little water so he didn't uh, get dehydrated. God gave it to him. And God was there to supply all that. Folks, God is good all the time. And all the time, our God is good. Number three, we see the grace of God's patience. Look at verse 8. And he arose and did eat and drink. And when the, in the strength of, of the meat, 40 days and 40 nights, God didn't say to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Get up and let's get go. God was patient with him. Aren't you glad God is patient with you? <laughs> and me? I'm glad he's patient with me. You see, the Lord did not approach Elijah in a judgmental way or a rude way. He knew that his servant was hurting. He knew that his servant needed help. He knew that his servant needed gentle, a gentle touch, a soft word, and some provision so he could rest. The Lord came to Elijah's rescue, Elijah's rescue and he, he, came, uh, he comes to us with, with all the same ingredients to encourage us. You see, Elijah, I mean, uh, 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 the Lord came to with, the, with the ingredients to encourage Elijah to pick up and, and get going. Let me tell you this way, folks. All of us go through seasons of discouragement. All of us go through seasons of discouragement. You ever been discouraged? Ever been discouraged? I've been discouraged. Many times. I say, but Pastor, you're always smiling. Yeah, but I've been discouraged. <laughs> it's a human trade. We get discouraged. It's easy to get discouraged. All of us go through seasons of hurting Seasons of discouragement. All of us go through seasons on which we just want to give up everything. Discouragement is a great enemy. Even worse, depression is a great illness that many people don't give credit to. Thousands of people in this country suffer from depression. Thousands of people in this country suffer from deep, deep depression. So what to do when we see a brother who is depressed, discouraged, beaten down? All right, so what do we do about people like that? All right, we should avoid them, right? Should we? We should ignore them. No. Listen, they might be depressed and discouraged today, and you might be the one who be depressed and discouraged tomorrow. So what we do, I encourage you today so you can encourage me tomorrow. 
Right? I'll pick you up today. You pick me up tomorrow. We got to try. We got to help those who are discouraged. For sure, we can never help them the way the Lord can. But we can try. And for sure, we can do something to help our fellow men. Folks, we live in a world today in which isolation is the menu of the day. You believe that? Isolation is the menu of the day. We have a new world today. It's called social media, video games, games, and internet. And people spend hours and hours and hours by themselves, segregated by themselves. You wonder why there's so much depression in this society? We were made for relationships. We were not made for segregation. That's not what God created us. All right. God created Adam. Adam saw all the animals with nobody like him. What God did. Created, a, created Eve, right? Relationships. You see, Elijah's depression did not cause God to write him off because God still had a plan for him. Look what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So let me tell you something here tonight. Some of you may suffer from depression from time to time. It doesn't mean that you are inferior or less important to the Lord. You, if you are a child of God, you are a child of God. And God can use you as much as He can use me. And can much can use anyone else. And when you hurt, God goes after you. When I hurt, God comes, goes after me. Why? Because He loves us. And here's a picture we see of Elijah who's suffering with depression. Because it's something that was said to him. But guess what? God comes to the rescue. Praise the Lord for His grace, His love, and for not giving up on, us, on His children. Christian, hear me now. Don't matter what you have done, and don't matter what you see, and how discouraged you are, God loves you, and God cares about you. You say, but my life is pain day after day after day. God knows. God knows exactly what you're going through. And God, see, God sees it. Never come to the place where you say, if God loved me, He would never allow this to happen to me. Remember Paul. Paul asked the Lord to take him away. Took those things away from him. And God says, my grace is what? Sufficient for thee. God says, I give you enough grace to overcome those things or, or to keep with those things. Number three, you see the Lord's confrontation. So the Lord treats him. The Lord takes care of him. And finally, the Lord's going to try to encourage him to get out of there. Look at in verse 9. And he came, uh, did unto a, a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Listen. It goes like this. Robert is in deep discouragement, deep depression. I go to, the, I go to, the, to my friend Robert here, and 
I buy him a coffee. I ask him for food. You know, given those little things, I talk to him. But after a while, I'm going to say to Robert, Robert, what are you doing here? What is the purpose of this? So the Lord said to Elijah here, Elijah, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was using you down there. What are you doing here? Simple question by the Lord. So Elijah ran away from Jezebel as fast as he could and made that cave his home and waited upon the Lord there. In contemporary religion language today, he was making his retreat. You know, like we see, we're going to retreat. He wanted to solve some problems and get closer to the Lord. He was so depressed that he was willing to give up his calling and even his life. When the Lord finally came and spoke to Elijah, he wasn't, it wasn't to rebuke him or, or instruct him, but to ask him a question. Elijah, what are you doing here? You see the compassion in those words? Elijah, what are you doing here? You see that? That's what the Lord's asking him. The prophet reply didn't really answer the question. Which explains why God asked him a second time in verse 13. Interesting, Elijah only told the Lord that he had experienced many trials in his ministry, but he, he had been faithful to the Lord. Now, if he was a faithful servant, what, he was, what, what was he doing hiding in a cave miles away from what the Lord planted him? What was he doing? In his reply, Elijah uh, reveals both pride and self-pity right here. And in using the pronoun, he exaggerates the size of, uh, uh, he exaggerates on this statement. Actually, look in verse 10 of uh, 1 Kings. It says, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, threw, uh, uh, threw down thine altar, uh, throw down thy, thy altars, and slain thy, thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left and they seek my life to take it away. You see what he says? Elijah, what are you doing here? That's the answer. No class, was he correct? Was he correct? No, he was not correct. Then God, you're going to say, hey, about 700 down there. You're not the only one, Elijah. Sometimes, we need to be careful, we think here we are the only ones. You follow that? The, the only I'm left re, uh, refrain makes, makes it look as though he was indispensable to God's work when actually no servant of God is indispensable. So God then commanded him to stand on the, uh, on the mountain entrance of the cave, but he doesn't appear that Elijah obeyed him until he heard the still small voice in verse 13. Uh, look actually, look uh, uh, in verse nine, uh, 14, it says, and he said, I have been jealous. For the Lord, uh, Lord, uh, uh, the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have spoken, have forsaken the covenant, threw down the altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He repeats himself twice. Do you think it's self-pity? Yes. He's feeling sorry for himself. Twice he tells the Lord the same answer. Let's go, uh, go to letter A. He said, God confronts Elijah's actions. Look at verse 9. And, it, and he came there into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto Elijah and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? 
What was God trying to accomplish in Elijah's life right here? What was Elijah's goal by running away and putting himself in a cave? But put it like this, what was Elijah's goal, I mean the Lord's goal right here? Obviously it was not to discourage Elijah, it was to encourage him. It was to make him think about what he was doing. You know, sometimes, sometimes when people don't make sense or people are out of it, it's good to put some sense into it kindly. What about this? So they can come to reality of what they're doing. It's like they come to reality. It's like, oh, after a little while, they get it. The Lord is trying to put some sense in his head in here. Why was Elijah so afraid of Jezebel? Are you afraid of people? Some people are afraid of people. Don't be afraid of anybody. He was afraid of Jezebel. He obviously was not afraid of Ahab. He confronted him, but he ran away from Jezebel. We should never be afraid of anybody. You see, God did not call Elijah to live in a cave, but to stand up for the Lord. By the way, God did not save you or... Uh, uh, save you uh, to be just to be continually discouraged and defeated. He saved you to exp- experience peace and joy and victory. What do you say about pastor? But life sometimes doesn't give us much joy. I understand. Concern, not depression. Follow that. We all express concern about situations of life, but don't get depressed about it. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prince application with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, whom having not seen, he loved. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, that's 1 Peter 1 8. It says, 1 Peter 1 says, Whom having not seen, he loved, and whom though uh, now ye see him not, yet believe, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Let it be, you see, God confronted Elijah's attitude from verse 11 and verse 13. Let's look at these verses. And God said, go forth and stand up on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and, a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after... The fire, look what it says, a still, small voice. Look at verse 13. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in, the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Wow. What a passage. Was Elijah depressed? Yes. Was Elijah discouraged? Yes. Was Elijah hiding in the cave? Yes. Was Elijah just segregate himself? Yes. Was Elijah afraid? Yes. All this, this man was experiencing. Elijah was looking at everything from a depressive, negative way. Folks, when a person is depressed, things never look right. They question, they question, because things don't look right in their mind. 
The easy way to explain depression goes like this. In their mind, there is no sunny skies, only dark clouds. And that thick dark cloud hides the warmth and the brightness of the sun. You follow that? Praise the Lord that he did not God, the, God did not give up on Elijah. The Lord came to his rescue. The Lord came to Elijah to come out, out of it. God had to read to teach him to look at the at the light at, at the bright things. Listen. If you see a friend, a family member, and that is so depressed and discouraged, encourage them. Encourage them as much as you can. They need words of encouragement. See, the Lord had brought fire, but did not. Uh, but uh, but Elijah didn't hear anything in the fire. Certainly, the prophet must have thought uh, of giving. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, he, he didn't hear nothing in the fire. What was God trying to accomplish in Elijah's life by means of these awesome, frightened objects? Lessons that about the, those things that happened around him. In verse 11, the Lord was reminding his servant that everything in nature is obedient to the Lord. The wind, the foundations of the earth, the fire, and didn't, and didn't lack for a variety of tools to get his work done. If Elijah wanted to, to resign from his divine calling, the Lord had someone else to take his place. And, and, uh, but the Lord wanted him and used him for his glory, and the Lord was there because the Lord loved him. So when Elijah heard the voice, he stepped out, out of the cave, and meet the Lord. I tell you what, how many people get up every day and look at the sun, it means nothing to them. Look at the clouds, it means nothing to them. Look at the sunny skies, it means nothing to them. Look at the snow, it means nothing to them. Look at the rain, it means nothing to them. Many, many actually complain. If it's too hot, they complain. If it's too cold, they complain. You know what? Elijah went through that. He experienced all those things. But he stopped and he went to the mouth of the cave when he heard the voice of whom? God. There was a young man. Pray for him. Bob in my job. I told him, Bob, if you only listen to the voice of God, I believe you would change. Elijah was what? Depressed and discouraged. But when he heard the still, small voice of the Lord, it changed. When Elijah heard the voice, he stepped out of the cave and met the Lord. The mighty power and the great noise of the previous exhibitions, it didn't didn't, didn't do anything for Elijah, but when he heard the still, small voice, he recognized the voice of God. See, God was calling Elijah to stop weeping over the past and running away from the present. God was saying to Elijah, you called fire from heaven. You had the prophets of Baal slain. You prayed down a terrific rainstorm, but now you feel like a failure. But you must realize that I don't usually work in, a, in this type of manner. You need to get up and get going. My still small voice brings the world to listen, ears and ears and hearts. So what happened here? Elijah heard the voice of the Lord. Let us see. Or let us, is that let us see? 
You see, God's conf confronted his assumptions in verse 14 to verse 18. Elijah made two foolish assumptions and, and, because, uh, and became defeated as a result. Number one, Elijah assumed that he was forsaking. Look at verse 14 and verse 18. And he said, I have been jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken my covenant. Throw down thine altars and slay thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, and left, and they seek my life to take it away. Yet I have left, look what it says in verse 18, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which had not kissed him. God simply reminded him that he still have 7,000 pure hearts in Israel. You see, when it says, everybody went this way, mm -mm -mm. it was people that still loved the Lord. We say, oh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going this way today. It's still people today who love God and live for Him. Number two, Elijah assumed that he was finished. We see the verse from verse 15 to verse 17. We see this in these verses right here. It says, verse 15, the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and, and when thou comest unto Hazel to be, to, to be king over Syria. And he explains here in verse 16 and verse 17. So Elijah told his life and ministry was over, and he was ready to die. God reminded him that he still had big plans for Elijah. We need to, to be, be very careful when we start live on assumptions. Believe me. You know, you know what, what assumptions are? Assumptions. We, we easily assume things, and we, we try to make those assumptions reality. Oh, God doesn't love me. If God loved me, He would never let me go through this. That's assumptions. Because the truth is, God loves us, and God takes care of us. You see, but to me, look where I am. Look at the mess that I am. I had one time one, one Christian brother said to me, you know, you know, this is very discouraging. I said, what is it? I go to church when the doors is open. I tithe. I, I, I speak right. I live right. I act right. And look at the, the mess that I am in. I don't think God loves me. That's an assumption. It's absolutely an assumption. God loves you. I said, where did you learn that God doesn't love you? Who told you that? Oh, I'm just assuming. Oh, do you answer your question? See, we need to be very careful when we start living on assumptions. Too often our assumptions fail to take into account the sovereignty of our God. Elijah, Elijah thought that because he was finished, God must be too finished with him. He was, he was that wrong. God never counted him out. And let me tell you, don't assume that's like, oh, God will never use me. Really? Why you say that? You want to see God using you? Okay, how God's going to use me? Show up Saturday. What am I going to do Saturday? Oh, we're going to put the information on people's doors. God's going to use me? Yeah, He will use you. Because you never know when you put those things in people's doors, who in the privacy of their own home would read those things and put their faith, their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to receive Him as Savior. Oh, many people throw those things in the garbage. That's an assumption. Oh, but I see it's true. Well, okay, then assume that. 
Because I believe someday when we get to heaven, we're going to see people there that we don't even know we reached with our words, with our actions, with something that we left somewhere. It will be there. See, living on assumptions is not a good thing. Because we really don't believe in, in the God that we serve. We say, well, God will never use me like God uses you. God can use, us, can use you more than he uses me. See, Elijah was that wrong, and we are that wrong when we live on assumptions, when we assume things. Oh, nobody want to hear about God anymore. Really? Isn't that an assumption? You heard, I heard, some hear. I mean, you know, there's always going to be those who reject and those who accept. You know what? We keep on going for the Lord. We keep telling the truth. You know, if we're going to say, oh, nobody wants to hear anymore, that's an assumption. That's a dangerous place to be. We're assuming things. Oh, nobody reads their Bible anymore. Who doesn't read their Bible anymore? You? Because we're just assuming. You don't know what people do in their privacy, in their own, their own time. We don't, we don't know. I conclude with this. Are you in a place of depression today and discouragement? If so, let me encourage you to hear the voice of the Lord. He wants to lead you out, out of that discouraging place, out of the depressing place, and be a blessing to you. That little still small voice. Let me tell you this. How God speaks to us. Look at nature. Look out in the skies at night. Look at the stars. Look at creation. Listen. Look at his words. He will speak to you through his word. Listen to God's people. Sometimes indirectly God is speaking to you. Ever happened to you? Listen to the preaching of God's words. Listen to the teaching of God's words. You know, because by listening, we can learn so much. God speaks to us through those little things. Sometimes, you know, I mean, what, what, what somebody said in a study, when in, in the message, people hear about 10%. They, they, they hold 10% in their mind of what they heard in that whole message. And I say this, praise the Lord for 10%. Because in that 10%, the Lord spoke to you, right? Obviously, the God doesn't want you to, to hold 100%, so you hold, hold 10%, so you can chew on and think about it and make a difference in your life. So you, you come the next time and you hear another 10%. That's 20%. Then you hear another 10%. That's 30%. You see that? Then after, before you know, you're over 100%. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you. Elijah saw those things when, we, when he heard the voice of God. He got up. He got encouraged. And the Lord was ready to use Elijah again. And he will use you again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this uh, 
study tonight on Elijah as we continue to march through the book of First Kings. Thank you, Lord, for this.